Welcome to QWERTY Writing Life Podcast, where we have candid chats about our creative lives. This is May. And I'm Joy. For more information about our podcast, monthly newsletter, or author resource series, visit us at QWERTYWritingLife.com. That's QWERTY, spelled Q-W-E-R-T-Y. It's the first six letters on your keyboard. So, are you ready? Grab your tea. Or your coffee. And let's chat. Hello, everyone. It's the week before Christmas. What? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I might have squealed that a little bit. I'm sorry for your ears out there. <laughs> it's all good. It's a reason to be excited. Yes, that's true. It's true. Um, today, we're going to do a QWERTY workshop, and I'm very, very excited about it. We're going to be working on some short story ideas, and we're going to be starting a short story together collaboratively. And Super geeked about it, but before we get into that, let's talk about our creative weeks. Joy, what did you do? Well, this week, very happy to report that every good thing is in the capable hands of my formatter and cover designer, Rachel Rich. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) So, my creative side of this, in addition to just getting all those files put together and and sent her way, is you know doing all the the behind-the-scenes stuff, that metadata stuff. That if you're an author, you know what that means. If you're not, you're like, what in the world did she just say? And (laughs) it's just all the things that you see. So, if you go to look up a book, either online. Or if you go into your bookstore and you ask them to look up a book for you, it's all the little things like the ISBN, that's that little number on the back of the book, um, the description of what the book's about. You know we always read those, right? Um, And things like that that go on behind the scenes and what kind of book it is and all those crazy things. So, yes, that has been my creative week. That is so exciting. I know. I'm pretty stoked about it. (laughs) I know you've been waiting for this for a really long time and you've had some unforeseeable things that have kind of delayed this process quite a bit, but you have been so dedicated and persistent to this book and I'm thrilled. And it's so timely too, because it's a, it's a compilation of short stories. guys. So. That is true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> well, what about you? What about your creative week? Well, I've been doing a couple of things. Uh, I've been keeping an extra kid and that's been fun. There's a family who was in need of, of somebody to keep their kid during the week for three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, four days. And, uh, and so that was me. I did that. Oh, that's a big thing, but man, I know they appreciate it. Oh, they, um, they're so sweet. And they actually helped me out. We had this horrible car accident. It was Cole and I were in the car oh, together. I remember that. Yeah. A horrible car accident. The car was completely totaled. Somebody ran into us and, um, pushed us into a gas station parking lot and uh, Lauren was getting gas there and I had I was on my way to go pick up my second child and she actually went to the YMCA picked my uh, my other kid up brought them back to where we were piled us all up in a car and then took us home and my husband was actually out of the country at that point in time and we uh, we moved into this town so we don't have a ton of friends and, and, and family we have no family there but we don't have a ton of friends and stuff so I really didn't know who else to call and she I didn't have to call anybody she was just there and she was like we're doing this for you and here we go so that's awesome so, those are the best people yes absolutely and that's been years ago and our kids have been in school together and we see each other in passing. She started coming to the church that we go to. And so we've just kind of been thrown into each other's lives. And so I feel like we're supposed to be really good friends. So, <laughs> <laughs> so 
So this situation came up and she was in need and I was like, I'm doing this for you. I'm just, I'm doing this for you. And when these, these feelings come up and they're super strong and it's like, yeah, this needs to be done. uh, Then I don't really question it. I just kind of do it. Uh, We've got, we've been doing the Christmas thing too. I've been wrapping up stuff at work. I got a standing desk for my desk at work. I'm pretty geeked about that. I got to tell you, because for 16 years I've been working behind a desk and sitting down and there's been some back pain and things like that so I'm excited to see what the standing desk is going to do and then of course I got to see my good friend Joy and so I drove down to Slidell and we got to hang out for a bit it was so refreshing for my soul and we uh we kind of plotted out this episode for you today so now we're going to record it Yes. And, you know, the best part, I think, was the lunch. I don't know about you, but I really <laughs> loved getting to eat out <laughs> without children. <laughs> it, it was. <laughs> and it was such a cool place, too. She took me to this sandwich shop in Slidell that is also like a wine store and or a liquor store and a gift shop. In this really, really good sandwich shop. It was so much fun. And the people who were there, who were working there, uh, know and love the store and the community. And you could just totally tell. And they really, since I was an outsider, <laughs> they, I think that they had fun a little bit sharing their their store and their town with me too. So, and I enjoyed hearing all about it. So it was great. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorite places. It's called Habano's. If y'all are ever in the area, it's fantastic. You just have to look it up because it's not like in a place where you would immediately notice it. It's kind of in like a strip and you might overlook it. Um, But yeah, they have uh, all sorts of amazing wines and beers and liquors. The deli is amazing. It's all boar's head meats and cheeses, which if y'all have ever had that, you know how good it is. Um, Super good breads, all that kind of stuff. And they also have a humidor. So if you are into cigars and all that, they have that in there too. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's like one of my favorite places to go for fun little gifts and stuff like that. So much charm. Yes, definitely. Very, very charming. Yay. It was fun (laughs) to share it with you. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So are we ready to get our creative brains working together? Yes, definitely. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so geeked about this. I don't know if if you're watching on YouTube. I've got this stupid smile on my face. It's very exciting. I love working with Joy and putting our our creative brains together. So we've already written a book together. It was a nonfiction book, however, and so we've not really done fiction together. So this is a new thing for us. And we decided to do the workshop. We don't know if we're actually going to write the story, but we thought, wow, we'll just do this workshop together. And so you guys, so you guys can see this, um, this implementation of some things that we've learned. And who knows if the, if the, if the idea and the premise all kind of work out, maybe we'll write it. I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> we'll see which way the wind blows. So what happened was, I guess it was about June 2020. Mm-hmm. Joy and I took a seminar together that Maggie Steve Otter did. She moved it to a digital seminar because she was supposed to speak in person in Washington State, I believe. And uh, because of the pandemic, she was unable to do so. So she took all of her stuff that she was going to present there. She made a digital seminar for it and she sold it for a crazy cheap amount. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so, so Joy and I were like, hmm. <laughs> It was definitely in our budget. (laughs) It was definitely, yes, thank you. So we took the seminar together, 
and enjoyed it so, so very much. And then we know that it's one that we're probably going to run through quite a few more times with specific things in mind. I have been running through it with a, a novel idea just to make sure that all the pieces and parts have a really good foundation and be what I need it to be whenever I start writing. So we thought we haven't done a QWERTY workshop in a really long time. And this would be a perfect opportunity for that. So we are revisiting this seminar anyway. Joy through my experience and me <laughs> through my experience as well, I guess. So, <laughs> so just to tell you a little bit about the foundational things that you need to know in order to make this, this workshop benefit you. So the first thing that we want you to know is that we are not telling you everything that is inside of this seminar. In not fact, I think, no, not, not even like a dust moat of everything that's in the, in the seminar. <laughs> it, this is just the things that we think are the most foundational in order to cultivate an idea into a premise so you can start really thinking about your story. If you want to, we'll have a link in the in the show notes if you want to grab the seminar for yourself. It's actually super, super cheap right now. She's cut it in half <laughs> from what we paid for it, which was already cheap. Yeah. So you go ahead and run over to Etsy and see if you want to grab it. She gives you the transcription of the videos as well as a journal that she has put together um, that prompts you through each of the videos as well and has all the exercises and everything in there too. So this is just a smidge, just a little, a little taste of what's (laughs) going on in there. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty fun. So some of those foundational things uh, Joy's going to talk about and we can, we can go into the workshop from there. Okay. So yeah, these first few little things are just things that come from her workshop, but that we needed to be able to let you understand in order for it to make sense what we're about to do. So there are three things that we're going to look at. One is mood, one is idea, and one is premise. And first of all, mood is king, okay? As Maggie um, talks about in the seminar in a few different places, you always go back to mood, okay? You begin with mood, and you're constantly going back to that, reevaluating and thinking about that. All decisions are subservient to your mood. And mood is simply... Um, the emotion that you want to have while writing, but it's also the emotions you want to elicit in your readers. So it's what you want them to feel as they're reading as well. Yeah. So if you, if you think about like going to the movie theater, you're, you're going to go to, you're going to, you're going to say, I really want to feel the tension and suspense of uh, of a mystery movie or a thriller movie or something like that. Or you're going to say, I really want to feel those, like the, the little bit of tension that you get whenever you have um, a rom-com, but then you also want to feel content at the end of the story. You don't want to feel like completely undone. You want all of those nice little ribbons to be tied in a bow <laughs> at the end of, at the end of your movie, right? So you're not, you're going into a movie looking for an emotion. You're looking for a thrill ride, or you're looking for something to make you think you're looking for something that's going to make a point, or you're looking for something that's going to make you laugh. This is going to be kind of like knowing that you are going to get um, some hot, spicy food at a Mexican restaurant and Mexican is going to be <laughs> Mexican is going to be the um the vehicle that you're going to get what you're looking for on the other end of that that hot and spicy right yeah now you've made me hungry thanks <laughs> sorry it's our tacos we love our tacos we do so, <laughs> 
So that's um, those are just some examples, maybe hope, hopefully some analogies that will help you connect to mood a little bit more. Yeah, that's good. So we've got mood. And then the other thing that I mentioned was idea. Okay, mm-hmm. so an idea is simply, okay, what is your idea for this story, right? Um, what is kind of your starting point to begin a story with? It could be, a, what if this character faces this challenge and whatever, okay? It's the mm-hmm. idea, it's that little nugget that you begin with that gets fleshed out a whole lot more as you go. So then that leads us to premise. So as Maggie says, your mood plus your idea gives you a premise. And basically a premise would be like your 30 word elevator pitch (laughs) that I know authors are familiar with. Um, And probably any creative, if somebody asks you about your work, what is your quick little pitch that you give them? Like that's the idea of what a premise is. Okay. So premise for your book is how you've just got a few seconds in an elevator. You can tell a person what it's about. Um, Also, as Maggie says, she says a premise is a promise, which I love that. Um, It's a promise of what's to come, but it's also more than that. You want to tell us what else it is or actually isn't? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. So when you have, um, when you have this premise, then you, the, the beautiful thing about this is that suddenly in your mind, it's very clear about what your book is going to be. And also it's very clear about what your book is not going to be. If you have decided upon your mood and you come up with an idea that might take it outside of that mood, you hold that idea or, you know, a plot point or something like that up to that mood. And you're like, mm, this is more, this is more of a suspense. And I know that I want to be writing a comedy and I want to make people laugh and lighthearted and stuff like that. Like, so I'm going to take out this and replace it with this because it serves the mood better. It's that, that standard that you hold all of your future decisions up to. Yes, very true. So basically what we're going with here is that having an idea isn't enough. You have to go further. And that's the step that we're taking. Now, here's our QWERTY perspective to kind of take this workshop into a QWERTY direction. Um, We're taking Maggie's steps, these first few things that she um, talks about in her workshop, and we're using them in a team endeavor, okay? So this has become a collaboration, and we're going to talk about a few benefits that uh, we could get as doing this as a collaborative venture, I guess you could say. We are currently working out the mood as a team. We did begin with that because as Maggie suggests, you begin with mood, like what kind of mood do you want to go for? You get your idea and then you come back to the mood. And that's kind Mm -hmm. of an important part. So we're working this out together as a team. We're doing this in a unified way. Yeah. And step one, we actually did individually. So there are certain things that I like to write, certain moods that I like to write, and there's certain moods that Joy likes to write. So we're going to see if our individual moods can, in our individuality as creatives, can come together and uh, and create something that is unique, but also screams may enjoy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It would be something that we both will enjoy in the long Mm -hmm. run. For sure. So another benefit to doing something like this, because, you know, as we go through this, you might be thinking about this in your own creative um, mediums or, you know, how this might work for you. So another benefit could be that trying something new. So if you're coming together with another person. Like we said, you each have your individual things that you lean toward. But if you come together, 
you might be trying something new, whether it be the genre, the story structure, or something else that's a little bit more in keeping with your creative medium. You're trying this new thing with a friend. In our case, we're critique partners. So, you know, we already kind of have a partnership going. This could be done with just another creative friend. Um, and the thing is, you could really, really enjoy this new whatever it is, or you don't. So either way, this is great information because you're trying something new and you're doing it with the safety net of doing it in collaboration with a creative friend. Writing can be really, really solitary and it can be really stressful. Um, or you can find little ways to where you can reduce the stress and you can also share your creativity with somebody else. And I think that this is probably one of those ways where you don't have to, you don't have to write an entire book together and you don't have to actually publish it if you don't want to. But if you wanted to, you know, just try out a few new things, you have that to do with somebody if you want it to. And so this would be a really good structure for you to follow together. And you don't have to even write the stories together. Maybe you're just using the structure together and you're sharing with each other. But either way, that safety net is there. It's a lot less risky uh, because you know that it could or could not go somewhere. And you're not expecting, you don't have any high expectations for this. Mm -hmm. You're just wanting to try something new. True. And another thing that this can do for you is it can trigger new ideas for whatever your personal project is as well. You might be surprised to see how many ideas pop in your head um, because of the brainstorming you're doing together with another person for something totally different. It really can just boost the thought processes for something else. Um, you could also discover a really viable collaboration partner. So after doing something small together, you may be like, Y'all, we are dynamite together. Let's continue with this. And you might become a dynamic duo who puts out an entire series of books set in your own little world. And how fun would that be? That would be amazing. Another thing is that you could find out that you don't work well together. And that's also <laughs> really good information, though. It is. It is. It's totally fine. And so we wrote uh, we wrote the Critique Partner book. And one of the things is is to try something together and to give, like, sample things and see if the critique resonates with the, with the other partner. And that kind of is the same thing here. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're just wanting to practice collaborating with somebody, like, is this going to work? Do I want to spend years writing with this person? Uh, and, and before you make that commitment, you could try a short story together, you, you know, beginning with this with this structure here, and know that this is going to work or this isn't either one. Great information. Yeah. Without a ton of time output. Mm -hmm. so, That's yes. the key right there. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> so as you already have figured out, this particular workshop, we are doing a short story. So we're not talking about a novel. We are specifically talking about a short story. And you'll probably hear us reminding each other as we go through and we're talking about how we're <laughs> going to do this. Okay, but we're doing a short story, so that might not work. That's more novel length. Let's shorten it down. Mm -hmm. How would it work here? Okay. Yeah. And so we have the idea. Okay. And we are looking to solidify the mood by running it through the options, the genre options that we've narrowed down to. Mm -hmm. Yes. And just to hop back to the short story idea thing, mm -hmm. uh, it's very clear that um, novels probably need a little bit more than one idea, right? Because if you just had one idea, it'd be a very, very, very small book. So <laughs> so if you have your, your mood, it could be that your premise is your mood plus your idea plus idea plus idea plus idea equals premise. So 
that's why we are we're reminding ourselves that this is a short story because you're not going to have the length available to you that a novel has to get all of the little details and the nuances in that novels can have in there. We know ourselves and we know that we generally have to rein back in anyway. So that is true. (laughs) (laughs) We both tend toward that. So, (laughs) so like we said, we're always going to be keeping, you know, coming back to mood. That's what we're going to be kind of fine tuning here. And our idea is, are we ready to share our idea? Let's do it. Okay. All right. A small town mom has hidden or suppressed magic and can no longer do that. Yes. (laughs) It is going awry. Yes, it is. (laughs) She can't hold it in anymore. (laughs) Yes. And so here's the thing. Here's something that we wanted to do. Um, We wanted to play around with magic because Joy and I both have not really written magical stories yet and we want to. So here's what we're trying out as a a collaboration. Genre is like a vehicle for mood, just like a Mexican restaurant, like that label Mexican, um, is a vehicle for us to know what kind of food we're going to be getting when we walk into this restaurant, right? Tacos and tequila. Tacos and tequila. (laughs) Thank you very much. That's how we're using genre right now in, in order to really solidify what mood we are taking one of the genres that I really like to write in, one of the genres that Joy really likes to write in, and another, like, oh, what do you call it, wild card yeah. <laughs> genre that Joy and I have not, neither of us have written in. And we're going to see how this idea can change and which one we're drawn to as we change the mood of the idea. Yep. So we, the three genres that we've kind of narrowed it down to are paranormal comedy paranormal drama and thriller (laughs) it's true guess which one we haven't written in thriller (laughs) (laughs) i was like are we waiting to hear (laughs) 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 yes so joy writes in a lot of drama areas or her books in the past the ones that she's written so far have been drama books and the ones that i have written have been um have been comedy so here we are. Mostly rom com comedy. <laughs> That's sort of fitting for us. <laughs> and so, you know, not that I not not that I really want to write a thriller story, but I do want to practice in um suspense, like inputting suspense into stories. And I think that that actually works out really well in some rom com things and so some of the genres that I write in as well. So that's what I want to practice. What do you want to practice, Toy? Um yeah, I think the same thing, the um, raising the stakes, like how to get those high stakes, I think is a big thing in, in Thriller that I may not have dabbled much in, um, but that also comes into play with like fantasy and stuff like that, which I'll hopefully soon one day down the road be transitioning into. Yes, that's very important for me. Yeah, I, I'm, I've mentioned the magic before, but I don't think I mentioned the suspense part. Of wanting to practice in that. We picked this idea because Joy and I really wanted to, to make an analogy for um, for a woman's identity and how it can get lost in mutter, mutter, motherhood. motherhood. <laughs> <laughs> and how it can get lost in motherhood or societal expectations or, you know, just trying to give too much of yourself or, or more of yourself than you expect. 
And so, and how you can lose yourself in that. And the magic is going to be the, the analogy for the, uh, the woman's identity. And so she's trying to suppress it. There's something about herself that is innate and natural to her that she doesn't love. And she's trying to fit in in a, in a way that is outside of this natural thing that she has. And so she represses it. And then eventually she can't control it. And I feel like that's very, very real life, like very true to life. And, uh, and that we might all in some way be able to connect with that, like a, like a universal, um, existential crisis or something. <laughs> but with magic. <laughs> but with magic and sparkles. Like, I don't know. We don't know if there's going to be sparkles yet. We haven't talked about that. Yeah. So. <laughs> we haven't gotten there. We don't know the kind of magic yet. That comes down the road. We got to get That's the premise right. first, y'all. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> So, so that was when, that was why we were choosing this idea. Like we wanted to, to work with women's identity and how she can you know, break free of that hold. Okay. So let's start out with paranormal comedy. Okay. So, um, what could we see here with our mom, a small town mom, she's got suppressed magic. She can't control it anymore. Paranormal comedy. Okay. So the first thing that comes to mind for me is like mom drama. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. so I'm thinking like she's trying to, um, she's trying to fit in with the other moms and it's just not working out right. And like all of this repression and stuff is bubbling up to the point where, you know, the Karen over there is really just not, not being kind. <laughs> and maybe she's holding a coffee <clears throat> and maybe somehow our mom's magic like makes something oops happen to the coffee on Karen mom's shirt. <laughs> yes, I think that would definitely fit if we hold that up to the mood. <laughs> that would be really funny. That would be really, really that funny. Would be. <laughs> I can kind of see it in my head too. So, um, so our mom is definitely our protagonist. And so maybe we could go with, with the mom being the antagonist. Um, the other mom, the coffee mom. Yeah. The coffee mom could kind of be the antagonist. Uh, <clears throat> because of my penchant for rom-com, uh, I'm thinking single mom, but we don't have to go that way. What are you thinking? Um, I don't know. I think originally I'm thinking like, Maybe her husband's part of the challenge in this, but the whole single mom thing, that brings up a whole other slew of interesting comedic challenges yes. that you know, can and, happen to her. And single moms don't have to find a man. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it, she can be a really great single mom too. Mm -hmm. And and owning her own kind of maybe helps her daughter. Oh, <gasps> Maybe her daughter's trying to fit in too. And the fact that she's not being who she needs to be is a being uh, a, a role model for how her daughter is acting. Oh, that's true. That's a good thought. And I love the idea, just going back one step, I love the thought of this not becoming a rom-com. So we're not getting her, you know, a man in this. Like, mm -hmm. let's just get her to a place where she is content in who she is. Yes. And I really love that. I do too. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Okay. And, but I love that too. I love that with, you know, because moms are so pivotal in their daughter's lives. And if 
the mom is holding something back and is not being true to herself and not working through her own issues, that can very easily translate into missing an opportunity to guide a daughter through something. So we know she's a daughter then. I think so. I think we know she's a daughter. Yeah. Okay. Also, so with the comedy thing, I just have to say, Mm -hmm. I immediately picture her as just being like a little bit awkward and like, you know, maybe not always saying the right thing at the right time. And I just, I love that. Like, I love those kind of characters, kind of like, like a Bridget Jones type where, you know, maybe she trips over her own two feet sometimes, or she just does these things that makes her feel worse about herself, but really it's just part of her personality and it's so precious. And maybe that's something she has to embrace as well is, you know, just embracing all of the parts of who she is. So what can be her, why doesn't she fit in? Do you know what I mean? I mean, yes, she's a little bit clumsy and, or, you know, in, I'm kind of, I'm a little bit over the clumsy thing, just a smidge, Um, but, but that's not to say that we can't do something fresh and new with clumsy, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So, um, well, since we're dealing with a small town, it could go a couple of different ways mm -hmm. in a small town. You don't have as much variety when it comes to like all the little clicks, you know, I feel like there's maybe not quite as many in a smaller town. So maybe if she, if this is a place where she grew up, this is her hometown as well, then maybe she just never felt like she found her people there. Mm-hmm. Um, or she could be new to this small town. And that in itself, it's the whole outsider thing. Ooh, yeah. Or maybe she grew up in the town, moved away. Mm-hmm had a life and then is coming back to the small town with her daughter who, yeah, that's good. But what did she do? Was she like a journalist or something and had a big fallout and then came back and everybody's like, Oh, she's too good for us or something like that. And Karen is like feeling Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Karen was the was the cheerleader or the um oh what do you call them the captain of the cheer squad what are they called I'm sorry yeah it's okay cheer um, people hate me right because now. I know I know <laughs> anyway. um cheer is it cheer captain or lead cheerleader so. or something like that the quarterback and the captain I, I obviously wasn't a cheerleader so <laughs> neither one of us May May was in the band okay. <laughs> I'm trying to remember the lyrics to like the Taylor Swift song, you know, like <laughs> she's cheered captain and I'm yes. in the bleachers. There we go. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Okay. So, yeah. so there's a couple of ways that we could go here. If she's, if she stayed in the town, then maybe um, the daughter's dad is somebody who is really um, maybe coveted by mm-hmm. the females in town. And then she got him. But then it didn't work out. Yeah. And now it's like revenge. (laughs) (laughs) Revenge of the Karens. Can we please call it that? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You know, that would be really sad, though, because, I mean, talking about the Taylor Swift song, like, you know, there's the next door neighbor who gets the guy and everything. And then what if that doesn't work out? Like, how do you get, how do you come back from that? You know? Yeah, that's true. 
I mean, how do you come back from anything in that kind of way? But also, how do you come back from that? Yeah. Especially in a small town where, like, everybody knows your business. Yeah. Yeah. So if we're thinking southern small town, <clears throat> which I think might be the easiest way for us to go because we are both from the south. Yeah. Then, yeah, that would be that would be one of those things that got spread around pretty quickly and um, and that everybody would know about pretty quickly as well and would probably hold against you. Um, or it could be a death or it could, you know, there's a lot of different ways that we could go with that. But what we do know, <clears throat> no, 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 no. Um, I'm not going to say what we do know. What you got? Oh, I was just going to say it could also be a case where maybe she did move away. And maybe she never did get married, or maybe that part is just a mystery. But should we just know that she comes back and she has a daughter, and she's holding it close? Yeah, playing it close to the vest. Ooh, I like that mystery in there. So, how would she respond when someone is like, "So, where's the dad?" Or like, Mm -hmm. maybe she has like a vague response for that. And that would also play into affecting the daughter. It would. Because does the daughter know who her dad is or does she not know? Or does everybody make assumptions about what the truth is or why she won't talk about it? Oh, you know they do in a small town. Oh, oh for sure. Yeah. They would be <laughs> like, oh, it's like she, she doesn't know who the dad is. And, you know, what kind of kid you know, could she possibly produce if she doesn't know that? I bet it was a drug thing. You know? <laughs> Yeah. And that would totally play into the daughter having some challenges in fitting mm-hmm. in. So, um, okay. I just wonder. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. So what is she trying to do to really try to fit in? I'm thinking she gets like the grunge work at the PTO and stuff like that. Okay. So she's trying to like be a people pleaser. Well, she's repressing all of this magic and stuff. And so she, are we going with trying to fit in or are we going with something different? Maybe it's just the fact that she won't open up and she's just repressing. Yeah. We could, we could try not to have the whole fit in thing and just the fact that she won't open up and won't befriend people and won't be herself. And so maybe what we're going toward is answering some of those questions and it's, she's going to have to answer those questions as the story unfolds as to why she's holding that in and in answering some of those questions, she might also be answering the question of why she is suppressing her magic. Mm, Yes. Does she move back in with like a grandma or a best friend or, um, cause we have to have somebody who's going to help guide her to this realization. That's true. It could be who she. Maybe it's her dad. Maybe her mom's gone because we've already got the mother daughter thing going on. Mm-hmm. So what if maybe it's her dad? What if she's having trouble being a mother because she didn't have a mother? That's true too. That's kind of a whole other dynamic, but yeah, I mean, that's huge. But could still be comedy ish, you know, like we can. Right. I know that it's like. So comedy to me is like taking the hard things in life and making them funny. And this yeah. is definitely a hard thing in life that we could, you know, look and into. And you still, like you said before, when we talked about this before, like you can still 
take that challenging issue, that real life issue, and you can go deep into it, but you layer it with some humor mm-hmm. and you give a lightness to it to, mm-hmm. even though you're getting a depth in the story, you're also coming up for a little laugh now and then. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important to remember. I agree with you. Um, so she could move back and just get a little apartment or something all by herself. And maybe there's somebody who recognizes trauma when they see it because they've been through it. And she, that person tries to befriend her and she's like, Nope, I'm sorry. Not happening. You know, like she completely shuts down. Um, or it could be he, she moves back in with dad Yeah. and her daughter could never have met him before. Didn't know. You know, this was some, this was also a part of her life maybe that she shut down if she moved away and never came back. Mm, yeah. And, and that would people be, don't know about her. Yeah. And that would be huge too for the daughter to now have a grandfather in her life when, you know, if she hasn't had her dad in her life, so she hasn't had that male role model, that influence in her life. Um, this is a brand new thing that can mm-hmm. be game changing for her. Yes. Or maybe it takes her a little while to like adjust to that. So now we're like, we're almost like talking about two storylines. Are we going to follow the mom or are we going to follow the daughter? Yeah, I was just about to say that. <laughs> I was just about to be like, we're getting bigger than a short story, Joy. <laughs> this could be about. Hmm. Woman's identity. Woman's identity. That's where we need to stick with. We. I was going to say this could be about friendship. And it really can be about friendship and a woman's identity if there's somebody who's going to help guide her out of her trauma or at least speak truth to her. Because that's what we need. Like we, any, any story needs somebody who's going to be like, this is the truth, you know, to kind of help that character arc build and, and become, you know, a, have a climax with that character arc. Right. And so. when you mentioned the the other person, you know, who could be kind of a mentor, if we're not doing like a dad or something like that, I immediately thought of like the spinster in the town that maybe nobody really spends a whole lot of time with. And maybe she's the librarian and maybe the mom comes in to check out books often and she just starts trying to befriend her whenever she comes in to get books and she's slowly makes her way into the mom's life. I think there could be some funniness there too, Mm -hmm. because she's probably checking out books on things that um, might actually relate to her magic or something. (gasps) Oh, yes. And what if everybody hates the town librarian, but because she's so-and-so, so-and-so, they can't fire her. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) And so like, what if there is like a curmudgeon there and and she recognizes something in her. Maybe she recognizes the magic and tries to reach out. Like, what if they both have magic? Yeah, that would be cool because that was something else that we just really weren't sure about. Is there going to be more magic? Is this going to be, is she going to be the only one with magic? Like, how that, how is that going to play out? Maybe the curmudgeon witnesses some magic happening in the library, like some <laughs> funny book magic. <laughs> Books flying off the shelves and paper going everywhere. And, oh, my gosh, she's going to kill me. <laughs> and um, and uh, and maybe she's, like, called the town witch or something like that. That might be a little bit too on the nose. But, um, 
not not the girl, not not our main character, but the librarian. That might be a little bit on the nose, but um, maybe she witnesses something that she's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, this ornery old crone is trying to talk to this woman like but she's not doing it nicely like she's being very awful about it so the librarian is rude Mm -hmm. to the mom what do you think instead of becoming a mentor so that's like a different way to take it well she she could become a mentor but the relationship building process is really hard for both of them Oh, I see what you're doing. Okay. So there could be some conflict there, but also when she realizes that the lady has magic too, that they kind of love, hate relationship, friendship kind of a thing. Yeah. I could definitely see that working and I could see that being, because with that relationship, you've got the conflict um, so you don't really need the Karen thing, I don't feel like, necessarily. And now we're playing a little bit better into our format of a short story mm-hmm. where we're focusing on these two characters and possibly the daughter. So, so is our antagonist the is our antagonist the magic then? I think it might be kind of shifting because at first it's going to seem like this woman is. Mm-hmm. Maybe and she's then, trying to call her out. Okay. okay. Yeah. And then, you know, originally she's obviously she's suppressing the magic. So in her mind, you know, is, is she thinking that this magic is something bad? This is something I need to stay away from. Is that kind of her mindset at the beginning? And then as we move forward, um, I think that the internal emotions and conflict becomes more central as she begins to maybe open up. I think that we could do yes, yes to all of that. But I think that we could have an external metaphor of that through a Karen. And it doesn't have to be like this is this is the antagonist, but there can be a situation at the beginning of the story where Karen's being ugly and something happens, something happens. (laughs) (laughs) Then, um, then she's like really upset. The main character is really upset with herself, you know, because she couldn't control it and all of this stuff. So she's trying to figure out, and there's like little things along the way, like maybe she's walking down the sidewalk and like a fire hydrant explodes or (laughs) (laughs) some, some little things like that. Or uh, high emotions or something might trigger this. But um, but either way, she's going to search for answers, mm-hmm. find the lady who ends up being kind of a mentor to her. Um, and then through maybe Karen's daughter messes with her daughter oh, or something uh-huh. like that. And then we don't have that. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah. But do you see what I'm saying? And then like her daughter... It's something to the equivalent of like she writes the report or something for Karen's daughter, but not so cliche as that. Mm. And mom finds out that daughter is doing all of this stuff to try to fit in. And it's kind of similar to what she's doing with like the PTO trying to fit in. And then she's like, you know what? You're not doing that anymore. And you know what? I'm not doing that anymore. Yeah. That could work. Oh, I think we've talked this around to where we can kind of, 
think about a premise. Okay. And it could be, let's see, single mom is unable. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, single mom after magically <laughs> attacking. <laughs> Sorry, it's in my head. I'm laughing about it. I know. <laughs> mean mom. Oh, no, 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 no. How about after accidentally attacking a mom in the carpool lane, single mom, and we don't know her name. I'm just going to put MC. Single mom MC seeks to understand why her magic is unwieldy (laughs) in between raising a timid daughter and all the PTO assignments. (laughs) Or would we be and keeping her past a secret? Or keeping up appearances. Yeah. That gives us a lot of leeway later on. It's true. So after accidentally attacking a mom in the carpool lane, single mom MC seeks to understand her magic or why her magic is unwieldy in between raising a timid daughter and keeping up appearances. That doesn't sound funny at all, does it? (laughs) Well... The attack is funny, and there will be little funny moments. And trying to raise a kid can be downright hysterical. <laughs> and keeping up appearances definitely can also be. Yeah. So we have our comedic areas there. And, you know, something I was thinking as we were talking through this is, <clears throat> honestly, the paranormal comedy and the paranormal drama could be the exact same nugget of an idea, but maybe instead of the accidental attacking it's a little bit more deep maybe this is where we have the accidental attacking is traumatic well that's true what if something happens and accidentally could have hurt her daughter in the process or something like that yeah yeah so and maybe there the conflict could be with this dad that she's moved back in with and maybe there's some conflict there unresolved issues maybe they're divorced and the only choice that she has is to move in with the ex-husband oh that's a different take that's that's super i mean like you know just all depends on what kind of husband he was like why are they divorced is, I mean, that could also be a rom-com, <laughs> but no, we're not doing that. So, <laughs> no, no laughs with but, this one. <laughs> but yeah, I think that um, whatever happens here, our conflict needs to be super, super dire, like a sick kid or somebody's in the hospital because of her or there's something wrong with her. Maybe she's becoming ill from repressing it. And so these things are slipping out. Ooh. Yeah, I like the, that idea. Hmm. 
honestly, that makes me think of um, Supergirl with Rain. I don't know if y'all have watched that, if you've gotten that far into the series. Anyway, I don't want to give away any spoilers. (laughs) Maybe she's had a traumatic experience with her magic before, and that's why she's repressing it. But then it starts to make her sick after she has her kid or something like that. So, you know, this kid could be like a baby kid, you know? Right. Um, So after she has a kid, something happens. You know, as we as things happen, whenever, you know, our hormones change, our bodies change, things, our hair is different, our skin is different. So many things change when we have kids. So maybe there's something that switches there to where the repressing it tends to um, make her sick. So she goes to doctors and things like that. Or maybe she doesn't because she's scared that they're going to figure out that she's magical. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. I was actually thinking about, like, instead of the the librarian lady, what if in this scenario, it's she seeks out a medicine woman or an herbalist <gasps> who lives, like, somewhere on the outskirts? Are we doing, of her? are we doing, like, Louisiana small town? Is that what we're doing here? Does she go to New Orleans? <laughs> <laughs> the voodoo. The voodoo gonna get you. <laughs> I really like the whole, like... Something happens because if we're going back to the analogy about a woman's identity mm-hmm. after she has a baby, then all of these things are new. All of these things are changing. She could still be a single mom or she could still she could have a husband there who doesn't understand what's going on and she could seek out help, but she can't use the common ways to do that because she's scared about her thing herself. But I, what I would love to see in this kind of scenario is that. Um, Maybe she hates her magic because of something that happened in the past. Maybe it's like electrical magic or something. And she accidentally hurt somebody um, with it. And, um, And then maybe when she starts releasing it, it can end up doing really good things. Like maybe she saved somebody's life whose heart stopped or something on the side of the road or, you know. And she, you know, and maybe it's somebody that she cares for. And she can do this thing if she can control it. Yeah. And so at that, maybe that could be like a climactic, a climactic moment where she starts to realize that her magic can actually be used for good and releasing it makes her, makes the color come back to her skin, makes her feel better, less lethargic, you know, um, things, you know, feel alive and, I feel like that's a really, really good analogy for whenever you start leaning into who you are and remembering who you are and practicing who you are after you have children, how that brings you back alive. I love that. I I agree. I think that that really ties in well with the analogy. Okay. So, um, so leaning back into the idea that premise changes to if we connect it to the paranormal drama the premise changes to um after the birth of mc's first child her repressed magic begins weakening her basically i was going to the thought that she has to dive into 
the trauma caused by the magic, perhaps in her childhood or something like that. And another traumatic event. Okay, so maybe triggers. we before the before um, after the birth. So maybe we say um, MC has repressed or suppressed. Is suppressed the right word? Suppressed her magic. Her magic um, ever since that fateful night. <laughs> um, in her past. Because we don't have, we just have to know that there's something that happens, right? Right. We don't have to get specific yet. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> How about has successfully suppressed her magic since <coughs> that fateful night in her past, but after the birth? of her first child, keeping it, it locked away is harder. Can, can we just say is harder than ever? It's taking its toll. Ooh, is taking its toll. Yes, please. taking its toll on her. Um, mm -hmm. And then we could say like period and it could be like as her strength weakens, she seeks or she searches for answers. As her strength wanes. Wanes. Very nice. She searches for answers in unexpected places. I think for the premise, can we just kind of leave it there? Yeah. You know, another aspect, too, is it could, as a result, she could distance herself from her child out of fear of hurting the child. And that's what I'm saying. Uh, I was just writing, can her family <laughs> withstand or something? Like, she searches for answers in unexpected places but will she have a family to come home to when all is said and done? So that could be physically or relationally, you know? So maybe in this scenario, <clears throat> it's just her distancing herself from them out of fear of hurting them. Yes, or fear that they find out. Yeah, that could be it too. So, and it might, maybe that's <clears throat> what she has to face. Maybe it's her husband who has some sort of something and she has to use her powers to bring him back. And then he knows she can't hide it anymore. Yeah. And you know, but maybe when not everything kind of goes awry, he's already been under, you know, he's already been seeing things. He's like, Oh, well, this makes perfect sense. Why didn't you tell me? That's yeah. silly. You know, <laughs> but I mean, that's generally how it happens, right? Like we, right. we, create these stories inside of us that these things are so huge and unforgivable and all of this stuff when really whenever we share it, it everything gets smaller and smaller and smaller until it's manageable yeah that's true so 
with this, we're maybe looking a little bit more at that relationship aspect. Mm -hmm. But she has to come to grips with her own identity and who she is and what she can do. And um, these little nuances that make her her um, before all everything can be fine at the end. And she can move on and move forward. Yes, I agree. So, I mean, I I think think that that hits really close to home with the analogy for sure. Yes, definitely. And then, honestly, I feel like this is an easy transition into the thriller part. Because I think if we (laughs) went thriller, we could do the whole, like, through the swamp to find the... And focus more on the Mm. high stakes and finding the this medicine woman or something like that. Well, she would have to have like somebody tell her that she has three days to live or something like that. For thriller, I think you've got to really have that external consequence of not succeeding in order to create that suspenseful emotion that, that, you know, that anxiety, like, is she going to do it? Is she not going to do it? Is she going to make it? You know what I mean? Well, then maybe whatever it is, maybe it's not her health. Maybe it has something to do with her child now. If she doesn't If she doesn't get her magic figured out, like maybe her child is in the hospital and there is a countdown there, could that work? But her magic's going awry. And we said that it was because of suppression, right? So it's not like the magic has been keeping the kid alive. I'm trying to find the thread, the thread here. So maybe she needs to learn how to use it because it's actually the magic that could save the child. And all of these years she has suppressed it out of fear and a lack of understanding of what it could do. But somehow she sees and that would be the thing like how is how does she know now that actually her magic could be the key to saving perhaps the countdown maybe maybe the kid's not in the hospital maybe somebody's after her kid well that could be too because of her magic magic and she can't defend because she's repressed it for so long and now it's sporadically Maybe her sporadic, like, outburst of magic is what um, attracts the external um, conflict for her to come. And, and, you know, it's easier to train a kid than it is to steal an adult. True. And maybe also the whatever this force is that needs her and her magic She's not good to them until her magic is, like, completely um, at its highest strength. And so they need her to learn how to use the magic in order for it to be strengthened. Maybe it's she's easy pickings because she doesn't know how to use her magic. Or they think she's easy pickings. So then why would they take the kid? They would take the kid because she can't defend the kid. They prefer the kid because kids are easier to brainwash. So the kid has magic. 
I think the kid has magic. And I think it maybe is maybe the kid's a little older too. So maybe this is not a baby. I don't know. I don't know. If if the kid is older, then we have the fact of does the kid know that they have magic? And then the mom knows that the kid's got magic. Well the mom's been trying to suppress her own magic, so what does she think about her kid having magic? Like, that's a whole <gasps> what other thing. If, what if when her kid gets magic, it sparks the uh, chaos that is her magic? <clears throat> so would she that have known she's that been she repressing? Had oh, yes, okay. yeah, that she's been repressing. And maybe the 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 fact that there are two people, two magical people in the house, her magic's like, yep, not hiding anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which. Um, if the kid is older and they are able to combine and get, you know, like if, if she's kidnapped and they're able to get back together, that could be a really cool moment where they're both like kicking butt with both of their magic. That's true. Because it's feeding off of each other. And wow, what a, what a, a message about motherhood and, and how our kids kind of make us, um, stronger. Yeah. And how we can make our kids stronger too. But it, um, how does that serve the, the analogy for identity? Because hmm. I said that and I was like, that's not what we're doing, May. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think part of maintaining that identity is, is embracing the fact that you've added to that identity. Mm-hmm. So you've added this aspect of being a mother. And in that now, you're bringing together the identity of having magic and having a child. You're bringing them together and you are becoming more of a whole who you are in the process. I have an idea. Oh, okay. I thought you were <laughs> high-fiving. But yes, also, <laughs> you're, you're that, that monologue there <laughs> just gave me... <laughs> It's not a monologue. I don't know what it was. Um, but maybe she's trained or was trained before and then okay. stepped, you know, like repressed it and stepped out of it to marry this man and to have this family. Ooh. And um, and when her baby was born, she continued to try to hide it. But with all of the changes and everything, there's that. And either... <clears throat> and either the people who she trained with tried to take her or somebody else outside of that tried to take them. But either way, somebody's tried to separate them. And the son or daughter, she had, she, the, the mother has to like remember and embrace the magic again mm-hmm. in order to save her kid. And then when they come back together and they both use the magic together, then there's that beautiful analogy that you just said, too. It's like you feel like you had to forsake everything that you were before and all the things that you loved in order to be this mom, you know, that that's going to raise this kid really well. But ultimately, you can't be the the, the parent that the kid needs you to be if you don't show them how to respect yourself and to do things that they love and to, you know, set boundaries and all of these things, you know? Yeah. I like that. 
That's good. That's good stuff. (laughs) And I feel like, you know, maybe it would be like a rival tribe or whatever um, that would be taking the child. Like um, a like a private sector something that doesn't understand how the magic works, but is trying to understand, has discovered that there is magic and now they're trying to use it for nefarious purposes. Um, (laughs) Or it could be the whole, like, we're going to cleanse and purge this child of this magic. Oh, for sure. For sure. Go that way too. Oh, it could be like a cult. Yeah. That is interesting. Ooh, that's interesting. But, but whatever the case, there's a, there's a countdown. There's a, yeah. you know, perhaps she has a telepathic connection to her child and she knows <clears throat> that, you know, if, if it's the case of them draining the child of the powers, which would therefore kill the child. And maybe she knows that and she realizes how long. That it has to be done at this particular place at this particular time. Yeah. Because that's a big part in magic is like certain, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. The eclipse. Phases the equinox of the moon. Yeah. <laughs> stuff like that. Exactly. So she has to have, she has that amount of time to one, reconnect with her magic. Two, figure out exactly where it is they're keeping the child. Because even if she has like this telepathic link. Maybe she can't. It's just feelings. Like maybe like hot and cold. Do you know what I mean? Ooh, yeah. Maybe like maybe things she like witnessed. Maybe there was somebody who misused magic, magic in her coven or her community or whatever um, when she was a child, and she saw the demagic process mm. happen for somebody who misused misused it, and and it was like a ceremony kind of a thing. Like you know how they would have the whole town come in and watch somebody's head get cut off, you know, in the past. So maybe that could be something that she witnessed. Right. And maybe, maybe it's a situation where like there's one of, let's say six places where this ceremony can take place. There's only six. And so she has to use the little bit of feelings that she's getting combined with what she knows of where it could take place and kind of logically deduce because she can only get to, she'd only be able to get to one place in time. So she has to make the right logical deductions to get there. Maybe she has to go back to her original community that she left mm-hmm. to get help. To get help, yeah. And that's Because if hard. there's six, and we're talking about short story here too. Right, that's so true. there would have to be people who could help her. And that plays into the women's identity thing as well, because as women, it's hard to ask for help. If this is a heroine's journey, there's going to be a moment where she has to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be a moment where she has to trust the people around her in order to fulfill the the quest. So are we talking about like, um, understanding your identity within yourself and within your community? Like, Asking for help, is that a part of her identity? Like, she's not let anybody in, really. Not even her husband, if she's not even told him what's going on. Or does she even have a husband? Perhaps 
her husband is why she left. Maybe she fell in love and that's why she walked away. But did it work out? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how that would play in with all of the other things that we've said, though. I don't know if that Mm -hmm. would be the right reason that she would have left. I think perhaps her reason for leaving has to be more. Yeah, but I mean, there's got to be for that kind of community, that tight knit community with the secrets that you have in in the middle of society that is unmagical. Mm -hmm. um, There has to be like consequences to leaving something like that, right? So do you have to, does everyone have to disown you if you decide to leave the community? And maybe that's one reason why she's alone. Perhaps. There could also be more like, um, more ingrained in the magic to where mm-hmm. perhaps she no longer knows where they, where they are. Or mm-hmm. she doesn't have that kind of connection. If With there's them. like, maybe there's, there is that telepathic thing and that's a part of it, a part of their magic, a big part of it. Maybe that's been. Maybe that makes her good at her job. Ooh. And um, so maybe she's like a detective or something like that. Like a either a private detective or a cop or something um, who helps Oh, she specializes, yes, in missing people cases. Or something like that. So where her magic is severed, she has her knowledge of finding people to help find the coven or the community again. Um, Maybe the husband or maybe the guy who lured her away from the community by, you know, saying that he loved her or something like that, that they're going to have a life together. Maybe that was a long game. So... Maybe he was trying to get her separated from them. Maybe the baby or the child is more important than we realize and is like a key to unlock something, but not until he or she displays magical abilities. There you go. So, (laughs) and taking that from the child would kill the child. Interesting. So maybe the, like huge twist that you don't see coming spoilers y'all is that the, da- <laughs> that the dad was involved and we don't know that until, until the very mm-hmm. end yeah could be I don't know. that could be interesting that could be interesting i feel like i almost feel like this one would be the hardest to stick into the st- short story format maybe so uh, or maybe, maybe so. not maybe it's just because there's so many different op- options here that once we narrow it down, it won't be so, you know. You might actually be able to if you start mid-search. Right. So, and, and well, the backstory has to be woven in mm-hmm. and mingled in instead of, you know, if you start chronologically, then right. it's going to be an entire novel. Yeah, for sure. And the very nature of a thriller short story, it's got to begin in high stakes moment. Suspense and anxiety does tend to lean, or the thriller, the thriller genre does tend to lean on um, very short, snappy mm-hmm. sentences, very low description, yeah. um, just very strong verbs, strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just this is what's happening. This is what it is, and then just moving on. So I think 
there's potential. And if we are practicing writing a thriller in a short story format, then that would be part of the challenge, would it not? Is to take this premise and whittle it down to what we need it to be and also figure out a structure that's going to best make that story shine inside of the format that we've chosen. Mm. Yeah. So I don't, I think we're thinking a little bit too far ahead right now. Probably. I tend to do that. (laughs) I do the same thing. I do the same thing. So let's try to get a premise in here that we think that we could work with for a short story. Okay. Okay. Um, After the abduction of her child, how about detective main character? (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Um, Seeks help from a past she's tried to forget. Okay. Or has she tried to forget it or has she... Oh, tried to suppress it? Has she tried to flee from it? Has she tried to... Did she renounce it? That might be. In the past, she's maybe had to renounce. Maybe if we put that had in there. Yeah, she had to renounce to... To save her daughter from... To put in the identity there, I'm wondering if she needs to remember who she is. Um, but maybe that's not necessary right now. To save her daughter or whatever life, if not the magic she contains or something like that. Because um, she may not. The, do we put the, the countdown in here? Um, or maybe. So just for just to put a countdown in there, I don't know. Let me get detective. MC has three days to save her daughter's life and is unable to control the magic. That could fend off her enemies. She must return to a past. Oh, that sounds like she's going into the past. That's probably not. <laughs> she must seek help from the family that disowned her, maybe. Yeah, that would work. When she chose a mortal or a human existence yeah. or something like that. <clears throat> when she chose love over magic. Ooh, I like that. Okay. Two, um, hold on. Here's three days, two has three days to save her daughter's life, but is unable instead of and maybe, Mm -hmm. but is unable to control the magic that could fend off her enemies. She must seek help from the family that disowned her when she chose love over magic. 
And Detective main character has three days to save her daughter's life, but is unable to control the magic that could fend off her enemies. She must seek help from her family, from the family that disowned her when she chose love over magic. Okay. I mean, that's solid right there. Yeah. The yeah. premise is there. Yeah. And the mood is there too. You feel the anxiety of it. You feel the pain of having to go back to, um, the stress and the pain of having to go back to people who have disowned you Mm -hmm. in order to ask for help. So there's prod, there's injured prod and that's how desperate she is, you know? Yeah. Okay. How do you feel about our three options here? I think it's good. So should we just kind of reread the three premises? Yeah, let's do it. So after the whole workshop, here's what we've got. So (laughs) paranormal comedy. After accidentally attacking a mom in the carpool lane, single mom, MC, seeks help to understand why her magic is unwieldy in between raising a timid daughter and keeping up appearances. Yeah, that one could be fun. So you kind of see where we took those comedy areas and heightened those up in order to uh, express our analogy of a woman refining her identity after motherhood. So... Attacking a mom in the carpool lane, super funny. Um, <laughs> all of the uh, all of the things that you that can happen with unwieldy magic, super funny. Um, trying to trying and failing to raise a daughter can also have their funny moments, and then keeping up appearances is always funny to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. All right, and then paranormal drama. So. Main character has successfully suppressed her magic ever since that fateful night in her past. But after the birth of her first child, keeping it locked away is taking its toll on her. As her strength wanes, she searches for answers in unexpected places. But will she have a family when all is said and done? Mm -hmm. And for this one, we really focused on the relational aspect of the mom. And yes, she's got to figure out who she is and all of the identity things, but she's also trying to keep her family together. And by the end of it, will she or won't she? That's the part of the drama of it all. But we also threw in some extra tragedy in there with something that happens um, in the past uh, because of her. So she's created this misbelief about her magic. There are crazy things that happen to you (laughs) as a mom, Um, whether it is a heart change or a hormonal change, you change no matter what. And so we're using that change to kind of spark the chaos magic (laughs) that's going on in there. And and she's going to have to figure out how to live with it or expel it and and figure out what's going on there. So we stick with all of our drama things, um, with all of our promises that we use, too, as uh, for choosing a a drama genre. And using that as our vehicle to create that really um, sad and conflicting emotions that you have whenever you're you're watching or reading drama stories. Yeah, that's good. And then finally, our thriller premise. So this is Detective MC has three days to save her daughter's life but is unable to control the magic that could fend off her enemies. She must seek help from the family that disowned her when she chose love over magic. 
And we represent this genre well by giving a countdown to what, uh, this terrible thing that's going to happen. So there's a limited amount of time. We, we create tension by making her go back to the family who has disowned her. And so there's emotional tension, prideful tension. There's, um, there's are they going to kill me tension <laughs> before I even get a chance to tell them that, um, that my kid's in trouble. So you've got that. You also have this unknown villain out there who is stealing magical kids or just hers. We don't know yet because we don't have to know yet. So, <laughs> but we uphold the genre and we give the promises to the audience and to ourselves by sticking with uh, some of the things that are prominent in that genre. And we keep the, we keep all of our decisions subservient to the mood by choosing things that are going to create the suspenseful, dark, tragic um, anxiety. <laughs> there you go. So those are our three premises that we have run through, taken ideas and moods, put them together, and we've come up with these three premises for you guys. So. Now, the challenge for you would be to try something like this. Find a creative friend and whatever your creative medium, figure out a way that you can collaborate on something small, something short, um, and see what comes of it. A fun thing that we could do as well is if you could just let us know which story idea you like the best. Just give it a one, two, or a three. One for comedy, two for drama, or three for thriller. And there's a very good chance that if we have an overwhelming amount of people who are interested in a particular storyline, maybe, just maybe, Joy and I will write it for you. That would be a lot of fun. I would It'd love be, that. <laughs> yeah, tons of fun. Tons of fun. So let us know. You can hit us up on social media. You can um, send us an email, cordywritinglife at gmail.com. And yes, those are some of the ways you can get in touch with us. Yeah. So we hope that you enjoyed this workshop and that you saw some value in it. And also maybe you found some ways that you can implement this into your creative life. That would be really cool. Yeah. If you haven't checked out Maggie Steve Otter's workshop, please do so at her Etsy shop. And we'll also put a link below to get you there. Um, yeah. So you, you guys, enjoy? that's it. I was just going to say, have a great week. Yeah, and go make something. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in. We hope this episode encouraged you. Like all creatives, we thrive on consumer recommendations. So please consider leaving us a review and sharing our podcast with your creative friends. If you'd like to continue this conversation, Visit us on our website at QWERTYWritingLife.com or on Instagram at QWERTYWritingLife. <laughs>